0: Welcome to Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is usually a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. But in these special bonus
1: episodes, we are talking about the His Dark Materials TV series on BBC and
0: HBO. Beware, these episodes are not spoiler free and may contain spoilers for the original HGM trilogy. So if you haven't read them all, pop back when you're all caught up.
1: This week, we're discussing Season 2, Episode 1, The City of Magpies. Uh, Our first TV show episode in almost a year! I
0: know, I can't remember how to do them. (laughs) Me either, I've completely forgotten. This could be a bit of a mess, and you're all welcome. (laughs) It's fine, I feel like we basically just chatted shit about what we remembered and liked from the tv episode so let's just do this that. is
1: our first ever tv show episode that we've recorded not in the same room as well because yeah. usually i come to your house i'm so sad i can't see you
0: oh and this year as well we're probably not going to be able to watch an episode together depending on how the uk's lockdown goes and the tears and stuff when we come out of it
1: oh When you said the tears, I thought you meant, like, the the (laughs) crying tears, not, like, the, like, tears of lockdown (laughs) (laughs) rushes.
0: All the the tears. tears. So many tears. Uh, Well, I suppose the first thing we wanted to mention is the US election. Whoop, whoop,
1: whoop, whoop. Yes. We just recorded an episode when we didn't know what the results was, and that's coming out next week. (laughs) So you're about to have an episode where we're like, oh, we hope it turns out well. And now, us, in the future, but the past... For the order we're releasing episodes are like, hooray!
0: <laughs> 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 but yes, we are so, 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 so happy. Thank fucking God that Trump is gone or will be going. I mean, they're probably gonna have to fucking drag him out of the White House, but he's gonna be gone. And I'm happy about Everyone it.
1: Everyone can just like breathe a nice deep breath for the first time in what feels like quite a long time. Definitely, um, yeah.
0: Congratulations. Congrats. We know this, slurs more work to be done and that the president this presidency doesn't mean that all the problems are solved but it's a good start. One down one to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's get rid of Boris. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean let's talk about this episode, right? So excited. Yes. So we
1: being the fancy bitches that we are went to the season two premiere at the BFI on South Bank. It was just before UK's lockdown re-established Uh, So it was very legal. It was very socially distanced, me and Face at three chairs apart. It was a really weird atmosphere. I feel like nobody was, felt free to be like,
0: woo! Yeah, yeah, it was strange. Like, it was such a fun experience for, it was kind of, I'd describe it as fun as it could possibly be in the circumstances. It was so great to see the episode on the big screen uh it was amazing we got uh, simone kirby arian bakari and amir wilson came out uh before to do a little talk which was really fun and then watching the Q and A afterwards was nice but yeah it would have been so nice like we had people there that we knew that we wanted to talk to that we didn't get that we didn't get a chance to dan mcculloch the exec producer was there and uh hi dan if you're listening we would have loved to have chatted okay. to you, but <laughs> social distancing did not allow that. Although Dan did tweet us uh, saying, like, "Oh, in a parallel world, we'd be eating champagne. We'd be eating champagne. We'd be eating snacks and drinking champagne by now." And I was like, "Maybe for season three. <laughs> and in a different parallel world, we'd be eating champagne and drinking snacks. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. That's how it works. It was. A fun experience, a very unique experience. I feel like we'll look back on it in a couple of years and be like, wow, remember when we did a socially distanced premiere? That's weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited as well because It also means that on I've now managed to watch the episode three whole times before recording this. So it's hopefully solidified in there. But I am a goldfish. But watching the premiere and getting the, to see the little Q and a beforehand means I like we have a little bit of insider intel, which is very exciting, and we can hopefully use some of that to, to help with our discussion. I hope I can remember
0: what happened. <laughs> it was great. we had a great time I, I I like got I always get when there's like something brand new and it's a collective experience with a bunch of people, so I remember drink, but I remember feeling like this with like Harry Potter when it came out in the cinemas and stuff. I get really it really makes me emotional like really quickly like when we were in the cinema like what waiting for the episode to start And then it started, I was like, and I could feel the emotions in me and I was like, I don't know what, that collective experience just makes me really emotional. I think it's because like, you know that... It's the dust, it's the dust in the air. It's the dust. And all the people in the room as well, uh, it's the same experience for them. Like, you know, everyone there was uh, like really big Histar Materials fans and they've waited for this for a long time, even though it was socially distanced and we didn't get to touch the people that we wanted to and maybe sometimes the atmosphere was a, a bit dry. It was nice to be in that collective environment with everybody.
1: Yeah, I think it was more just that everyone was so like, we're a very British audience. So everyone was being extra cautious of their social distancing and obviously wearing a mask and for some reason having a mask over your face and being far away from your counterparts that would usually be sat next to you. Everything just naturally becomes a bit more docile where I would usually have done like a big whoop when Mrs Coulter came onto screen for the first time I was like oh is this okay is a whoop too covid spreading I I mean
0: no you're wearing a mask of course it's not but I think as well like if you think about it if it was like a normal premiere and like all the seats were filled, and I let's face it, I would have probably drink, drunk like oh, two. It'd off. be like three times noisier because there'd be three times as many people, yeah. And there'd be lots of snacks. I would have probably down some wine, as you do at premieres, and like I feel everyone would have been a bit like more loosened up. It's fine for for the times that we're in. It was uh, it was a really good experience.
1: Yeah, it was really lovely of, like, it felt very, like, a strong community bond, even though nobody was able to properly speak to each other. You could, yeah, you could feel it in the dust in the
0: air. (laughs) Definitely. Shall we, shall we chat some shit about this episode?
1: Oh my god, yes! Yes, 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 yes.
0: My first note is very long previously on. It's super long, but super useful. Even though I rewatched the first season quite recently, it did kind of help me to, to have the previously on just to get everybody back up to date with what's happening because it's a super complicated series. You can't sugarcoat that and there's no denying that it is very complicated and you have to pay attention to everything that's going on. So it was helpful to have that.
1: Also, just like a big, like, let's just remind you how you feel about all these people so that you're excited to see them again. And then when you do, it's like,
0: ah. I was wondering whether the, the pictures that Mrs. Coulter has of Lyra, is that a baby picture of Daphne? It might actually be Daphne. That would be adorable. I was also thinking that is probably the
1: photos that we read about in the lantern sides Oh, about Lyra yeah. having to pose for a photograph every year for and they got sent to Lord Asriel because Colt is going through Asriel's books. I
0: didn't even think of that. And he's kept them. Oh. Ah, I love that. I love that. I love that. And like when we first see Lyra, she's grieving for Roger straight away, which I really liked because we've called yes. that out, haven't we? Some
1: immersion from Lyra about Roger. We don't love to see it because we hate to see her in pain, but like we love to see that they've written it in because you don't get a lot of that processing in the books.
0: No, so I like that that is. Roger is is still her main priority in the TV series, but from what we've seen in the book so far, from where we're at, it's not. We will just say we were laughing about this, as is tradition, because this happened last time. Where we're at in the book, on, a, on our chapter read-through, this episode has just spanned that whole part of where we're at in the book. So this week we'll be like, hmm, that's different how it was in the book. I like that because they have changed it from the book. Next week we'll be like, we've got no fucking idea what happened to the book, because so we're goldfish.
1: Yeah, basically. This is the only episode where we'll have a clue of how it differs from the book and everything else will be just like,
0: stab in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> we apologise in advance.
1: I love it. I love finding out how bad or how misremembered I've been. I find it quite interesting. To just find out what my brain has lost.
0: <laughs> That's kind of why I enjoyed re-watching season one after we'd finished the book. It's the perfect time to re rewatch season one. So maybe I'll do it again with, with a soul knife too.
1: I really enjoy that in our podcast episode, we were like, hey, what did Lyra do wandering around in the mist for three days eating berries? And we actually got to see that little journey and her like being lost for those few days with Pan in more of like a jungly rainforesty kind of situation, which I wasn't It is not all I pictured and even like the city itself when we get to see pan over to like Lyra looking at the city it's not all I pictured from the description we get of Will walking through but I love it. I love
0: the design. I think it's beautiful. I think it looks really really good and it's interesting because I'd seen the visuals of Chittagathe from season two, like when they released the trailers and stuff before we started reading The Soul night, So like, I actually can't remember what I pictured in the books, but I think I agree with you in the terms of like, in the book when they're talking about Will like going for a swim and stuff like that and describing it as that like kind of seaside port town. I see what you mean but yeah I I love the the visuals of Chichagatse. I think it looks so pretty.
1: It's like taking it more for me from like a Spanish not quite holiday resort town, not resort town but like not quite holiday like coastal town on like a little bay to more like an alternative version of Venice where instead of building out across the water they built up a mountain with the way that like the streets are so thin and it has like very yeah Spanish and Venetian vibes especially like Spanish like villages that go up hilltops and have like amazing staircases and oh so much lovely tiling like I'm desperate to talk to Joel Collins again and ask him <laughs> about all of that set build <laughs>
0: We have to talk about the new title sequence, right? Ah, yes. So pretty. I noticed that the music is slightly different. There's a lot of like, I feel like it's new, but like everybody correct me if I'm wrong. There's a lot of new like whooshing noises and like sound effects in the opening sequence, which I didn't. I don't remember from the first season. I think that might be new. I reckon by the end of the week, somebody will have
1: done a side-by-side shot on YouTube as well because I want to see... I think I noticed most of the things that are new in the credits, in the the title sequence, which is like there's a lot more... There was the occasional hint of an angel wing in the first one, but it's a lot more like angels (laughs) in this one. And then we get a lot more like knife occurring in this one. Oh,
0: the knife looks so fucking good in that sequence where it like turns and it's all like dusty and shit. Love it. Love to see it.
1: Lovely, And we get some, like, fun, like, wire machinery-type situations occurring, which I don't think we had in the first one, which is, like, maybe that's a hint towards Mary and her machinery, or it could be towards something more magisterium we don't know, because it's ambiguous machinery, potentially, because we haven't met Mary yet. Also, just at the end, you know, when it pan- the screen, like, pans and it goes into lots of worlds, instead of the final world you're looking at being Lyra's world, it's this new world
0: with Titigatsu, which is just, like... it's just exciting (laughs) that's my favorite bit I fucking love that Mm, when they all like squish together yeah yeah and it's yeah and it's different from what it was in the first season fucking love it one thing that I was gonna say that I thought was really interesting change is that Lyra not trusting the alethiometer yeah so like in the episode
1: starts out with her like having this whole conversation with Pan and also her disagreeing so strongly with Pan is interesting like it makes from like a writer's perspective I feel like it makes perfect sense that like Lyra feels betrayed and obviously she feels betrayed by her father, but he's not there, and what can she do as like a direct change in her own life to like feel like more of a sense of control? And it's like, well, I'll cut out the alethiometer because it led me down a path I didn't like. And it's interesting that they've gone that way, because obviously the books don't do that, but I can really see it as like a perfect extension of how Lyra feels betrayed by herself and is a betrayer.
0: When we saw it in at BFI, I remember thinking, oh, that's an interesting change. I didn't really think much more about it until we saw the Q&A afterwards. And Jack Thorne said that basically the entire, I think he said the entirety of the series, this season is about trust, the different types of trust and all that kind of stuff. And then when I heard him say that, I was like, yeah, it makes perfect sense for her to do that. Uh, Especially because they're bringing more of her grieving Roger to the forefront of the season. I think it would be a bit strange if she was just full on Okay, with the alethiometer after it kind of caused the big betrayal of her against Roger.
1: Yeah, it's a change that I'm kind of like, yeah, makes sense. Also, it's you know, it's not like it's hugely plot altering because by the end of this episode, she's back on board with it. I think, in to a certain degree, I guess we'll see how mistrusting she is of the information. And also, just yes, it is a great development for her as a character to not just believe everything it tells her as it comes across because there's always two, re- two, two
0: or three ways to read something. And yeah, like that's something she's learning as she's growing. I will say like as a whole across the episode, I fucking loved Daphne and Amir. I thought they were so good. Like the way that they like bounced off each other. I think it's really bringing, it's bringing more, especially we, I we don't know Will as much yet. We don't know how... Amir is portraying him as much as we know how Daphne portrayed Lyra in the first season. And I really feel like this season, like you've got Lyra straight away. And I think it's kind of her playing off Amir that's kind of helped that come through. I really think it helps to for me to like,
1: because they're both playing such different versions of Lyra and Will from what I necessarily imagine in the books. But we watched a little. Q and A with Philip Pullman and Jane Tranter and Philip's publisher and the illustrator of the book. It was like a 25th anniversary uh, live stream, and one of the conversations they were having in that was with Jane, and it was about casting. and She was saying when she casted the character, it was about the spirit of the character. But now that they're carrying on through into like season two, and they felt like they captured the spirit of Lyra that they wanted for the TV and Daphne, and the same for Will but with the writing and the way they're going forwards is they're writing for the way that Daphne now plays Lyra. They're writing for the way that Amir plays Will. So it's not necessarily going to perfectly match up with the energies or necessarily like the chattiness that Lyra has in the books, because Lyra is a proper chatterbox in the books. And Daphne has a lot more She's quite a lot more reserved. But I love the idea of, like, it's now being written for her portrayal of it and what's going to make the best story for her Lyra. I'm here for that relationship, but it's definitely not how I pictured them from reading those chapters of the books. But, like, it is working for the screen.
0: <laughs> that That's a really good point. And I, there are, like, a two bits, if we're talking about Lyra and Will, I'll probably think of more as we go through. But two bits that I really fucking loved that I think shared both of them really well. One was when they hear the other kids and Lyra goes fucking barreling after him and then, like, knocks him over. Fucking love that. It's classic Lyra. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one, actually, it's about Will, but it's not a spec- there are some specific moments that they show him tidying up.
1: Yeah, he's that like conscientious boy. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's, like, picking up the fruit and off the floor and, like, putting it back and things like that. And also, he's just not being... We kind of called him out a little bit in the book chapters that we've read, for being a bit mean to Lyra, and he's not shown that at all. Like he told her what a shower was. He gave her the towel and the soap. He he wasn't rude to her about not knowing how to wash her hair and all that kind and of then shit. He left
1: it up to her. Yeah, <laughs> it was a much more subtle way of saying get a bath.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, can I say that I feel vindicated in the fact that Lyra did make an omelette with all the eggshells in, like I predicted in our book episode a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yes, I love that. Obviously, they condensed a lot into an episode. So, they didn't have some of those lovely little moments that you get of like Lyra trying a can of Coke and the bubbles going up her nose and being surprised or like being amazed by a fridge or a lot of the little things that you get in the book that kind of really solidify that Lyra's in a new world vibe. But the omelette really did it for me (laughs) when she's like poking at the omelette and then, yeah, having that whole conversation about a stand up bath for the shower and like. Those were the little moments that were like, oh yeah, that's a real nice nod to those moments in the books.
0: I think we'll we'll uh, we'll get that in um, the next episode when they go to Will's Oxford because I think Daphne sent that Q and A that we saw that like she had fun pretending to be like amazed by like the cinema and stuff like that. So I think we'll see a bit of that. I will say while we're on Will and Pan, uh, sorry while we're on Lyra and Will, I fucking love Will and Pan being best buddies.
1: Yeah. Yes, yes yes i love oh, pan's little voice has started breaking and i love pan so much he has like a couple of gorgeous little sassy little lines when will is like oh demon means something evil in my world pan's like uh thanks <laughs> <laughs> and when he's just like looked at Lyra and will sees him for the first time and he's like uh
0: he knows not to touch me right <laughs> yeah there's a really uh funny bit which like proper just made me think like he's trying to be really grown up so like they've already had they've already met and then Lyra sat on the stairs like th- they're throwing the rocks off and then will like comes down to see her and he's like oh hi will like oh he's like a little adult <laughs> oh god it hurts it's so cute oh god just those moments because
1: again season one they've done a really good job of not really having demons talking to other people's humans and so having demon human interaction that isn't between the person and their own demon is is such a great new dynamic to explore.
0: Also having Will around is so fucking good in terms of like exposition and for the audience so now Will doesn't know what demons are they can tell us so much more about demons through Will like when they told us that he doesn't eat Will offered to give him some food and stuff like that so we're gonna find out much more about demons i think because will is gonna portray that person that doesn't know what they are
1: yeah i made a note about that because i was like "Mm," because in the books we get the lovely little thing of pan like dipping his hand into the omelette batter like dipping his paw in and eating it and like he didn't eat it though did he? he just i thought he just dipped his paw in it i assumed it was so that he could lick his paw
0: I didn't, like, I, I assume that they don't eat because we haven't heard about them eating. I mean, I could be wrong, but you've never heard, like, of Lyra having to feed Pan.
1: But yeah, no, I kind of love that and having, yet yeah, having those questions answered. And then that was just another little gorgeous moment of Will being polite and Pan being like, no, thank you, Will. Oh, <laughs> so
0: want. cute. We're fucking best buddies. I'm so grown
1: up. <laughs> he had some of the cutest forms this week and I really love, I there's only one bit of imdb trivia for this episode and that trivia is that the choice to make pan a wolverine instead of a leopard or something like he is in the books when he is intimidating the children when they're attacking the cat is as a nod to daphne keen's shut the in fuck Logan. Up. it was a deliberate nod by the Vf- by the team i think
0: to be like yeah let's just make it a wolverine <laughs> i hope we get to see it taught to russell and ask him about that.
1: Yeah, who know, it might just be some bullshit, not true trivia from INDB, but I want to know.
0: <laughs> I had no idea what a Wolverine looked like. That's the first time I've ever seen a Wolverine. Because I had to ask, because we, we watched it, we were chatting with our patrons in the Discord, and I was like, what What form is Pam there? And somebody was like, it's a Wolverine. I was like, I've never seen a Wolverine before in my entire life. I had no idea they looked like that.
1: I feel like I knew that it was a Wolverine, but I'm not even sure why, because I can't remember when or why I would have seen one, but I I feel like I did know that. I loved their interactions. Basically, any chance they got to use some of the, the amazing steps that they've designed that go like forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards. I love them. I could never live there. I would die. But they loved using those as like a way of having a nice little conversation and separating Lyra and Will out in a way that sits really nicely on the screen. And that's where they had their conversation, where they, the lovely to and fro that we all enjoy, where they go from like, Ambaric to electric to electrum to amber, and then they have their little moment. And they, the little quote that I really love is Will says, "So your world's like my world with all the words mixed up." Or one of them says it, and then the other one says, oh, your world's like my world with all the world words mixed up." And it's just like, yes, Philip's just written word like worlds with words mixed up, and I can't say, Blah,
0: blah, blah. <laughs> You got I can't it. Say it. <laughs> you smashed it. It's nice how they've brought the humor straight away which is something that we didn't really get in the first season until Lee came in straight away like we've got that rapport between Will and Lyra and there's like humorous conversations which I think will make a huge difference to the season because they're just really great together
1: oh my god when Lyra's like uh so you're a kitchen boy and Will's like who are you calling Kitchen Boy?
0: I don't think so. <laughs> are you trying to say I'm a kitchen bitch? What? <laughs> How fucking dare you? How dare? I loved it. <laughs> uh, fucking, oh my God. The one bit that like blew my fucking mind when I first watched it, Will just pulling out his phone and taking a picture of the tower. I completely forgot that, and I feel like they must have done this on purpose, but I completely forgot that it was set in present day. So like when he pulled his phone out, I was like, Oh yeah, of course. We saw him with his phone loads of times last season, and it just felt so weird. And I was like, "Oh my god, is he like going to put it on Instagram? Like hashtag Traveler of Instagram." <laughs> I feel like I had that moment of
1: being like, "Oh," and then remembered, "Oh wait, no, it's in our modern world. It's not 1993 or whatever it is in when Phillips released it in the books. It's they they have pulled it all forwards a few years." I design wise. The tower that Will's taking the photo of, love it. So different from how I picture in the books. In the books, I picture it all ramshackle, but I love that this one is like sleek and has like creepy angel statues. Like, I love it. I love spotting that angel motif everywhere, like everywhere. It's great. There's like one of the rooms that Lyra first walks through has this wallpaper that's definitely got like wings or angels going on on it and like I feel like you could just spend your life pausing it and counting all the hidden angels the angels in the details
0: <laughs> I love their tower because the twisted spire reminds me of um oh where is it is it Chesterfield Yes, yeah, yeah. Chesterfield I went to college though yeah um I feel like we've talked about this before on the podcast I remember Maybe. talking about spire. yeah it's got a crooked spire right and it reminded me of that yeah because
1: it's like it's bent but it's also twisted because there's a withered beam inside of it and the
0: local legend is that the devil sat on the beam and it withered me and you have either personally had a conversation about this fairly recently or we've already spoken about it on the podcast brilliant <laughs> but basically yes it is a church in the town where Rich went to college and the like the spire of the church is all like twisted and bent and that's what the chitagatse tower reminded me of although a much straighter sleeker version of it <laughs> exactly shall we talk about mrs coulter uh yes please
1: <laughs> so fun side fact is from the bfi screening that we saw in the little q a that was after the panel discussion we found out that the reason they're in submarines instead of boats is partly because of a little idea that joel collins had to do with the idea that like basically if they've got airships their technology is at a point where they would probably also have submarines. And then they had this whole conversation the production team apparently about like all of these men hiding in their submarines under the water, talking about how to hide this rift in the world from the world. I, I love it. It's so sinister seeing all the submarines just like hanging in the water. And it's such a great mirror image to all the Zeppelins just like hanging in the air. So like, yeah. And they're like
0: tiny, tiny room that like the Cardinal and Father Macphail and Mrs. Coulter are in like kind of representing how like narrow minded they are because they're in such like a small sphere. I really love all the
1: wood paneling. I really love all the chrome, the little circular like lights on the walls. I just, I just think it's a really nice setting and it feels really cozy
0: despite the fact that it's really sinister and horrible. I mean, it feels a bit claustrophobic, I'm not going to lie. That
1: initial meeting is interesting, though, of them like having this conversation, trying to, like, lie to the world about the rift, and obviously Father Moon fails disagreeing with the cardinal, and then Mrs. Coulter handing him a wine.
0: I will say, <laughs> just because for the pure fact that we've just read that chapter, and we, like, lost our shit at how, like amazing mrs Coulter was in that scene i feel like i wanted more from her in that moment i feel like they probably cut it for time but i really i felt like she could have earned it more like she could have been more aggressive with them and like more i don't know just a little bit more just a tiny bit
1: i feel like we were getting a targeted attack a targeted energy from Coulter that was all targeted at the Cardinal and manipulating him because they have that really intense moment that I fucking hated where he makes her kiss it's his It's fucking ring, disgusting. It uh, oh, horrible. No. But rather than like that image that we have in the book of her a group of squabbling men and her just owning the room and owning the entire room. It seems more like her energy is like focused on one person and manipulating one person in the room. The question is, my housemate said, and I didn't necessarily read this in the episode. So the Cardinal's gone down because Scardi stabbed him, but Ruth... Ruth? (laughs) Ruth, Coulter. (laughs) Hi, Ruth. Uh, Coulter makes a comment about, do you really want somebody to be leading you that will just accept any old glass of wine from a woman? My housemates were like, does that mean that she's poisoned him?
0: I said that when we came out of the BFI screening. I said that to you as well. How dare you not remember? It's just me that missed it every time. How dare you (laughs) not remember, Rich? I said that to you specifically. Well, you said it and then I forgot. And then we watched it again and they said it. I thought it meant that she'd poisoned him, but then he just got stabbed by Scardy as well. I will say that I fucking lolled so much, and I didn't catch it the first time, but it was Liam that said it, and I think Charlie in the Discord was when she's like, Let's talk about failure, Father McPhail. And I was like, What a fucking sick burn! <laughs> yeah. So great. Yes, love it. Is that going to be the uh, everyone's special of this season? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about failure. Father MacPhail. <laughs> if we're talking about culture, we can like move on to her torturing the poor witch with her torture boots. Torture <laughs> boots. Love to fucking see. <laughs> we
1: had such a great conversation with Caroline McCall, the costume designer, about how this outfit might be her outfit for quite a few episodes as it doesn't seem like she's gonna make it back to her wardrobe for a while. And it's just so versatile, you know? It's it's doing a lot
0: of jobs. Do some good torturing just in those boots. When
1: she like walks into the room and she's just taking off her jewellery, until she actually gets to the bit where she's being horrible and torturing, I'm like, Ooh, what's she taking off her jewellery for? What's
0: she her jewelry for? <laughs> Hi, Ruth. Hi, Ruth. <laughs> when I got over the fact that I wanted more gore from that torture scene, I actually thought it was really clever what they did. Obviously, I would have enjoyed to see some like fingers being snapped and legs being broken, but I think that the way that they did it because of the time that it's been shown and the fact that they established that last season that they've changed the cloud pine to be within a witch. I really thought it was quite clever, the torture of pulling the cloud pine out of the witch's skin.
1: You know what I realised on my most recent watch through is like, so I was kind of here for it. it was, it's very like Black Swan. Yes, it's very yeah, like pulling yeah. the fingernail in Black Swan, it's very like pulling the feather out of the skin. It gives me the heebie jeebies. I'm super here for whoever did that practical effect because that was great. But it made me think, Jesus Christ, that makes a witch's console really sinister because he oh has sprigs of yeah. in bottles on shelves so that he can contact <gasps> witches. Are they pulling those out of themselves to put in the bottles? Does it go from like a little calling card system to a creepy ass specimen collection? Oh my
0: God, I didn't think of that at all. It makes
1: it way more like grotesque.
0: God, yeah, it does.
1: <laughs> Fuck. So it's like when he was asking Lyra to like identify the cloud pine that Sarah was Seraphina's like is literally saying like which fingernail oh, it, it belongs to her. I it's a part of someone rather than like a, a thing they've
0: used or have a connection. Just oh, grim. Great. Love it. <laughs> I'm ready to see more of Mrs. Coulter, I think. Yeah, I'm just ready for more because I think that... We didn't see my favourite Coulter in this episode. We saw some good Coulter, don't get me wrong. Did you not enjoy (laughs)
1: Tal? Which I love it. It was definitely part of like a longer thing that they clearly cut a bit shorter because it felt so abrupt to go into the like really intense, but it was also like that was another like embodying the monkey kind of moment for her. And the like snippy snips of the tweezers was simultaneously like, ooh, I could see why that would be scary. But just it it did give me a little giggle. I just personally enjoyed the lines that she has with Father McPhail at the end when they're saying, should we just let him die? And when she's like, let me take on that sin for you as my first service to you. And like, I love how like insidious that is and how it like plays on all of his weaknesses. And also is like, you can see that factoring into her head and how she's excusing these bad things. And she's like, oh, I'm taking on these sins for the world. And like, I just really love that, like the way that was written.
0: I love how that that's been written in, to be honest. I mean, this is my first. I'm sure that that's not in the book, but <laughs> I like it.
1: I think it's just a really great, the way the TV series opens up loads of doors for writing and fleshing out a lot of the grown-ups storylines because they physically can't film that many hours a week with the kids. They've had like way more opportunity to expand those stories and I'm I'm really here for finding out what Coulter's going to be doing because yes <laughs> bonus Coulter content and yeah speaking of Coulter I guess that takes us directly to what's going on with the witches cuz that's
0: one of the major changes before we get there this is really going to mess up this little like structure that we've kind of just pulled out of the air I wanted to just say something more uh, again about Lyra and Will cuz it just came to my head I don't think we can move past this episode without calling out the fact that Lyra pins Will to the desk like Azriel did to her in the first episode when they first meet. Yes, yeah, which is interesting. I don't love to see it, but I do love to see uh, yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a bit of both in it. It's like I don't love to see that she's clearly learnt some maybe dangerous traits from Azriel, but I love to. See, but I also love to see that she can defend herself if needed. Mm, she's quick on her feet and she like knows some moves. Yes,
1: but also that she's like inherited and learned this violence
0: no <laughs> but anyway the witches the witches let's talk about the witches do we go from lee
1: into the witches just like the episode
0: does yeah let's talk about lee first how could i forget precious lee my sweet baby lynn it's so great to see and, Hester, and, Hester. and her own little
1: personal teeter that he's fixing Ooh. for her
0: love the fact that they're like humming when we see them it's not a full song like we got last oh they're whistling i think maybe they're whistling there's some kind of music happening i love that lee is very obviously as hester says out we're out of our depth i love that you can blatantly see that like when he starts to speak he's super nervous when he starts to speak with the like with the witches he's like oh <laughs> yes and the lovely moment between him and seraphina oh my god when she's like here's my number
1: Call
0: me maybe. So much fucking sexual tension. Fucking love to see that.
1: Again, is that cloud pine that she's given him? Because she doesn't have the flowers in her hair. But then maybe if it's a voluntary giving of cloud pine, maybe it's not a sinister. I don't know. This is probably the most important discussion of this episode.
0: Her crimped blue hair.
1: Oh, (laughs) I have so many feelings about it. It's so Gwen Stefani. It's so... I fucking love it.
0: Did you ever watch Hook? No, I've never seen Hook. I've never seen it.
1: Uh, one of the main like lost boys in hook is a kid called rufio and he's got like black hair but he's got these great he's got like a triple mohawk in like red extensions that are clearly like clipped in and like it's a whole vibe but it just really gives me that vibe for me it, t- it took me out of the moment because i was like why have they got
0: blue hair <laughs> like why has she got blue clipping crimped hair <laughs> I fucking loved it. I thought that it really matched, like, the outfits that they were wearing. I'm, like, loving this kind of, like, goth, emo, punk vibe that's going on. All the black clothing and stuff. I thought she looked fucking amazing. I loved the costumes.
1: I just... The hair pulled me out, and I don't, I don't know why. Just got, it just took me out at the moment. The hair looked amazing. If it hadn't already been your birthday last week, I'd have got you some blue clipping <laughs> crimped extensions. <laughs> Just because of how much you love them right now.
0: <laughs> can you, you can still get me for Christmas if you want. Ah, yes, yes. I'll get you for Secret Summer. I'll rig it. <laughs> Please do. But yeah, I, I suppose the biggest thing with the witches, and I think you were getting at this earlier when you said that the there's a big change, is we see our beloved Ruta Scardi and she kind of takes over Seraphina's mission.
1: Yeah, part of me feels a little bit robbed of that entire chapter that we had with Serafina where we got to know her so much better and we got to like form quite a close bond with Serafina and like get more in tune with her emotions and stuff and that's whole tense scene on the boat where she's trying to stay invisible and is witnessing this horrible torture happening and trying to stay invisible and like that would have been such a great tense scene on TV but equally I understand why they switched it up because Rita Scardi is such a powerful character she's not been given a moment yet we didn't really get to we didn't meet her in season one we want to see who she is and find out who she is and we she looks so badass when she's escaping the submarine and she's just like zipping all over the shop killing people and being
0: like powerful and it's beautiful i just want both i agree with you but like as well i also see why they did it because they needed to give an introduction to Ruth Scardia that would make us immediately be like, okay, this is a person that is, this is a witch, even that is going to be important in this book. She came to, she came to, play. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was a really, really, really good introduction. And I think you remember in the second episode, among the witches, that chapter in the little knife. Couple of episodes ago in our book episodes, like I said to you, like I'm so excited to see how they're going to do that scene where she appears and kills uh, the witch, and I think they did a really, really good job of that. Like I really liked how it was all like slow motion and I
1: felt just a smidge robbed of that kiss though. Yeah, she went. She did a whisper and she said, "Be at peace," but like it was the loving, sisterly, motherly, beautiful, loving kiss that Serafina gives that witch before she kills her. That really it says so much and it's so powerful and it just felt a little bit whispering in an ear just isn't the same. Like, it was... I yeah. would have
0: loved to have seen The Kiss as well, but I think the way that they, they did it, when I said I was like, oh, I was super excited to see it, like, they did it justice. I really liked it. I will say as well that it's interesting... Serafina and Ruta's relationship so far it kind of seems like they're more at odds than Serafina being like utterly like crushing on her
1: yeah it's a bit more of a rivalry situation going on
0: I'm hoping that like further down the line they're in the series they bring those vibes because I like that and also I just don't I don't like to see rivalry between women that's not really needed they don't need to be at odds because they do have the same goal I'm gonna get my little booklet of gripes
1: out my one gripe that I Oh, I'm really struggling to get over. It's just the way the witches fly. Couldn't get on board with the Guardi when she's flying and she's her shoulders are just wobbling and she's getting <laughs> rained in the face. And then there was just a little bit of like mental telepathy voiceover situation happening, and it was just a little bit. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't hit home for me. It didn't hit right. in, Like an oh, this is epic moment. It just for me. See if they'd have just. <laughs> N- not flown like superman i wouldn't be finding this moment a bit weird and awkward
0: yeah i know what you mean i feel like i would not really given much thought uh, on like how i'd vision envisioned them flying to be honest i feel like they probably did it because they didn't want to do the whole witch trip of being on a broomstick right i liked the tele like the tele uh, telepathy bit i thought that worked quite well where she's like hearing what's happening from below.
1: if you don't have
0: Time to build
1: the tension of being invisible. It works, but I've just Is this gonna be our Kaiser of this season? <laughs> it is. I mean, speaking of Kaiser. In conversation with Russell Dodgson, we found out that the reason that Kaiser is not a snow goose as the books have written him is because animating a goose, a goose's head talking or talking to another character of any kind, putting that in a frame, it just becomes a head on a stick with no shoulder-based emotion to like help convey emotion and it's a goose and geese are funny however the conversation between the two hawks killed me <laughs> I just couldn't not find it funny and I loved it I think it's the way that David Suchet speaks in part and the way that his bird is animated to be so like you get the impression that Kaiser comes off as a more like uptight bird than Rutus Gardi's demon the whole intonation the way his head was moving was just slaying me and like there was a bit of sass going on a bit of rivalry going on and like but also then reimagining that with a goose (laughs)
0: absolute gold
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to have a brief conversation about Angelica and Paula yes partly about that casting decision because I have to say it didn't change anything for me like in terms of I wasn't disappointed that we didn't get little Paolo I would have enjoyed a kill the specter. <laughs> yeah I was just
0: gonna say we didn't get that but maybe we will maybe we will
1: I was really here for their like shared energy and Angelica's energy is so great and she Bella Ramsey who plays Angelica is also Lord Mormon, Lyanna Mormont in Game of Thrones and so basically she's spent a lot of her acting career Playing a tiny badass, and I'm really here for it. I'm really here for that energy of her and Lyra, like almost being like, "You got beef."
0: (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what's funny about that is that it really made me think of what Philip Pullman said that time when he, when we asked him that question about like how did he come up with the character of Lyra, and he said that like any girl in any classroom could be Lyra, and I really feel like you see that with Angelica, especially in the series, like the TV series, uh, and the episode that we saw because. She is like a little bit of a match for Lyra and they're very like similar in the way that they speak to each other and things like that. And it kind of does make you think, well, yeah, any girl could be a Lyra.
1: Yeah, that energy of like, oh, there were grown-ups, but now they are on. We get to do what we want around the city. Like, we'll have a chat with you, but we're not bothered. It's a very Lyra being the leader of the gang in Oxford kind of vibe. Oh, God, did you know what you haven't spoke about? Spectres? Uh, Yeah, so here for it. What I'm not here for is... Lyra finding the guy pouring the water, taking his water off him and just sending <laughs> him on a not so merry way. Give him his water at least. We had a great email asking about what we think happens to the children in Lyra's world whose demons have been cut away and how they might be received back home. And then also how we think people who are victims of spectres are handled in the Chitigasi world because this guy is just out on his own, and Lyra finds him, takes him away from his task that he was clearly not so happily, blankly carrying on with, and sends him walking off down the road to do god knows what. There seems to be no systems in place for caring for these people who've been victims of horrible things. I really want to know what happens, and what is what are the what are the grown-ups doing about this? Are they just leaving people to fend for themselves after they've been Spected? Spected,
0: yeah. <laughs> also just really thoughtless of Lyra to be like, bye then. Do you know what it reminded me of? Have you seen that meme that thing going around recently with like the grandma on her like walker? And it's like Gwen Stefani used to be in a ska band and then the like woman helping her is like, Okay, grandma, let's get you to bed. It reminds me of that. Yeah. She's like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, grandma, off you go. Where are you sending him? Where where is he going?
1: Where is he going? <laughs> It's just like, oh, now he's no longer... I've moved him away from our vicinity and now he's not our problem. That's not how it works, Lara. Like, it's an ethical quandary of, like, is Lara being a dick in that moment or is she being compassionate? Like, I think it's supposed to come off as compassionate, but there's a dickish element to it. Also horrifying and great job of making the result of being spected be
0: horrible but still appropriate for 8 pm BBC TV. Yeah, he, he looked really <laughs> scary. I think the spectres looked really, really good. They're like dusty in a way, where that they moved like very like liquidy grains of black sand almost like in the air. I really liked that.
1: Is not at all how I pictured them from the book I can't
0: remember how I pictured them, like obviously we've not got there yet, um so maybe I'll see when we get there, but I really liked how they moved.
1: I guess it doesn't help that there isn't a the depictions in the books aren't very solid because Lyra and will don't really see them solid, but in my head, I think I've always pictured the spectres as like you know on a really hot day when the tarmac's really hot and there's like a haze in the air it's that haze in the air but kind of in the approximate shape and size of like a human person I feel like it wasn't far from that except for the fact that it was black and swirly and looked more like ink I always imagined (laughs) them to be black
0: oh I know I imagined them like clear like barely yeah no I always imagined them to be black I don't know why I don't know if it says that in the book or I just did. It may well do. It may well be that I've just been misimagining. Yeah, intrigued
1: to read that description of the spectres and be able to refer through to the TV series and see if we appreciate that comparison. <laughs> it might be a beautiful moment to finish on. Lyra's attitude towards showering is exactly the same as my lockdown attitude towards showering. Give yourself a little sniff and be like, yeah, it's all right. Carry
0: on with your life. Also, a great sassy pan <laughs> moment where he's like, That's one question you don't need to ask the alethiometer.
1: (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. And when she actually does go for a shower and he's a little red panda and he he sniffs her overalls and he's like, oh God, no. (laughs) So great. That moment when you actually do catch a whiff of yourself and you're like, oh, oh no, if I'm going to leave the house at all today, I definitely need to have a shower.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it. And it looks like next episode, because we kind of end on Will and Lyra agreeing to go into Will's Oxford it looks like the entirety of next episode is set there. We meet Mary Malone. I'm so fucking excited. We've already seen like little brief clips of Simone Kirby playing Mary and I'm already obsessed with her. So I can't wait to see Absolutely. more.
1: Absolutely. We've had like a little switcheroo of the order of that because we've already had Lyra in Oxford and Will in Oxford and Will's only just about to read the letters And obviously Will's already opening up the letters and Lyra's already asking those questions about Will and stuff before they've even been to Oxford. So it's an interesting little switcheroo, but that makes sense. And that also, when Will opens the envelope and he's like drawn to the tower and called to the tower. Yeah,
0: and you see like the knife and stuff, don't you? Like little bits of the knife. A
1: brilliant cliffhanger ending. Oh yeah. Just with the spectre like
0: looming up behind him and you're like, oh shit. Interesting choice that they have... Chosen to make Will 15 and Lyra 11 or 12 because in the book they are much similar age range, right? Lyra's 11 or 12 and we know that Will is 12. I wonder if that's just because Emir Wilson appears older, as in, like, he couldn't be re- I don't think he could successfully play a 12 year old because he looks too old. I think that's probably why they've done it. But it just make me think for the Amber Spyglass because, like, the adaptation, if we get it, fingers crossed. And I know that it can't be helped because of the pandemic. And we did speak to Daphne Keen a little bit about this when we interviewed her. But they're going to have aged so much. They already have, like, when you see interviews with them. Do you want to know my wild theory? The cave is going to have lasted way longer than it does in the
1: books. Big ass spoilers for the books. If you thought you were going to get away without <laughs> big ass spoilers for the books, this is the big one that goes, like, way beyond where we're at currently so just don't listen if you thought that you were just going to get away with it you're not (laughs) and when Coulter is like keeping Lyra sedated in the cave for like months on end maybe they're going to just fucking extend that out for like
0: years of Lyra being captive of Coulter or maybe they're just not even going to mention it because like you can do a lot with like makeup and like practical effects and stuff to age people down and also I feel like I definitely would be and I'm sure most of HDM fans would be very forgiving because of the circumstances of them just looking older in the last season also maybe
1: that they could just write a little extra world in where time passes differently and they accidentally pop there for half an hour <laughs> and come out old
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 that would be great
1: <laughs> they were like we were only here for half an hour and like lying the witch in the wardrobe style they come out the other side really old overall i really enjoyed me it me too uh... i felt like they covered a lot of ground once again they've caught up to us already <laughs> but i feel like yeah where they've compacted parts it felt probably like the right decision in order to fit this whole book into like seven episodes we've got some time to cover
0: <laughs> watching it and seeing the changes and the i can see i can feel the decision behind everyone and i can see how it makes sense like there there wasn't anything that i thought oh i don't see why that's here or like i don't like that it was very much like yeah i see why this has been done people i'm excited
1: to meet next episode mary malone arian bakari playing lord boreal in a completely or oh, charles thingy charles in a completely different way to what we expected him to do because that's going to read so different with sexy sexy <laughs> sexy arian <laughs> bakari as opposed to a creepy 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 old man oh hot priest hot priest i just i hope we get a glimpse of hot priest next episode aka andrew scott aka john parry
0: yeah i am i cannot uh, wait until we get all the scenes with John Parry and Lee in the balloon and all. I'm so happy for myself and for everyone that we get to see that.
1: And there's so much to be excited for, which is bring on next week. Ah. (music) Just before we head out to the credits, we'd like to thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't listened to the book episodes, we'd love to encourage you to go and listen to those because we have so much fun chatting about the book chapters And if you're enjoying this and you'd like a way to support us, one of the best ways you can support us, aside from becoming a Patreon, is leaving us a review. And at the moment, we're incentivizing people to leave us reviews by saying that if you leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a review...
0: Including Facebook.
1: Including Facebook. (laughs) If you screenshot that and email it to us at herdartmaterialspod at gmail.com, we'll enter your email into a prize draw and when we hit 50 reviews we'll pull out 10 of those names and those people will get some free merch as a reward for saying thanks
0: and doing a review Yay. basically <laughs> please give us 5 stars and say nice things
1: yeah thanks so much for listening to this episode of her dark materials you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook at hdmpod and you can email us at her.materialspod at gmail.com you can also visit our website at
0: hdmpod.co.uk if you want to support us you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod we also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from rach you can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about Lyra and Pan and Will, you can find me hanging out on Twitter and Instagram at Faye Lee, which is triple Y. And if you want to read some of my old blog posts, I'm on Medium at Faye.ducker.
1: I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about demons and dust and spectres i'm making cute and magical arty things you can find me over on instagram at rachmakes, on twitter at rach underscore makes and in my online shop rachemakes.co.uk a huge thanks as always to johnny Knopp for his musical stylings we'll see you in a week's time
0: and don't forget keep telling stories and all will be well
1: the specters. Yeah, the specters. Bye. Ah, bye.